0: wanted to put it out there just in case we get to working on that particular uh, timeline. But this is kind of an exploded view, a, a zoomed-in view, if you will, of the other timeline that we gave you during the period of the uh, church, God working with the, uh, the church um, from the time of Calvary until the time of the rapture. And so if you do not have that, feel free to grab one of those. We may or may not get to it tonight in our notes. It depends on um, how well we get through some of these other things. You should have uh, the notes from last week, and uh, we had just begun in some of the things that I dealt with towards the end of the hour that are not in your notes from last week, but will be in next week's notes. As we kind of switched gears years from dealing with Daniel's 70 weeks, the prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks, and seeing how that broke down, the uh, first seven weeks was the time that Jerusalem was continuing to be built and finally was completed and restored. And then the other 62 weeks were the years prior to the Lord uh, appearing on the scene uh, as the prince, and um, that made up the 69 of the 70 weeks. And then we mentioned that from Calvary until present day, there has been kind of a a pause. The stopwatch has been stopped for this period of time for about 2,000 years now. And the 70th week is yet to come. The 70th week is the time of the tribulation period that we're expecting to happen uh, here towards the end uh, of time. And uh, so once we've established that, we've shown that, I think, very clearly from Scripture. I don't think there's any um, ambiguity there or any confusion regarding those things if you're still struggling with understanding that, feel free to come sit with me. I'll be glad to sit and we'll take the scripture again and go through it uh, step by step and show that. Um, but we switched gears then to the the uh, rapture. Uh, now, the word rapture is not used in our scriptures uh, in that sense, but it is certainly taught in our scriptures quite extensively. And uh, there's been a lot of debate and a lot of discussion over when the rapture will take place. I've had a number of people in the last five to six months, especially, I guess as they see the things happening and unfolding in the the world that we live in today, I've had a number of folks that have come and said, Pastor, I'm getting nervous. Are we going to be here for any of the tribulation period? The answer to that is no, we are not. Now, that does not mean we won't have tribulation uh, the Bible is quite clear that the church has always struggled with people giving persecution to it and tribulation happening. But when we're referring to this, we're referring to the great tribulation or the tribulation period, the seven years uh, that take place at the end of the world where God deals with Israel and brings them back into uh, His good graces, and brings them back into the fold, and uh, also passes judgment for many that uh, have rejected Him and refused Him, and His wrath is poured out on sin. <coughs> and so we started dealing with this last week. We just barely got into it, so we're going to uh, kind of take a little bit of a running jump here for just a moment. Uh, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, and I'm going to share this, and then we'll... Uh, kind of move forward with our rapture teaching. Romans chapter number 11. Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. In fact, he states that in verse number 13. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle to, of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. And so he's speaking here primarily to Gentiles, those that are not the Jews. Now, Paul himself was um, uh, of Jewish uh, origins. And uh, but I want you to understand that uh, he is a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. and uh, he's dealing here. If we look down in verse number, oh, let's go to verse number 15, I think will be a good place to start. and we're going to read down through about verse 25. He says, "For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Now, we're going to see in a few verses that within the context of what he's talking about here, the casting away of them is in reference to the nation of Israel. And uh, he's dealing with the fact that they have been cast away. But notice what it says here. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, again referring to Israel here, thou, Gentiles, "...being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root." Aren't we glad for that? Amen? What a wonderful teaching. "...and the fatness of the olive tree. Boast not against the branches." In other words, he's saying, look, you're a wild olive branch. The, The real ones were cut off. They were pruned back. You've been grafted in. Don't sit there and boast yourself because they were cut off and you've been grafted in. He said, don't do that. Notice why. Because he says in verse 18, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the, uh, the root thee, but the root thee, thou wilt say them, the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. In other words, they were broken off because they didn't believe. You're grafted in because you did believe. You had faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Now, some people will read this, and there is a false doctrine that is taught today called replacement theology. Uh, It's a big word that simply means some people believe that Israel is no longer God's chosen people. That is not what this passage is teaching. The passage is teaching what we've been teaching the last couple of weeks here. That at Calvary, when they rejected the Messiah that came, God paused His dealing with Israel. And he allowed now for 2,000 years to deal primarily with those that are believers, those that have trusted him, Jews or Gentiles at this point. The difference at this point in who God is dealing with does not refer to their nationality, but by their faith. That makes a big difference now for 2,000 years. But look what it says here. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, the severity uh, severity, but toward thee, goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. In other words, you better be glad for this thing. Now, notice he says in verse 23, And they also, who are they? He's spoken of them and you. Them being Israel, you being the Gentiles. All right? So, 23, we're dealing now again with the nation of Israel. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if thou were cut off the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, be which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree, for I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. That the uh, that blindness in part, notice this in part, is happened to Israel. Unto the fullness of the Gentiles become uh, become in, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away the ungodliness for Jacob. So understand this, that God did stop dealing with Israel at Calvary shortly after. He allows now to for the Gentiles, he's working with the Gentiles, those that believe, and whether they're Jew or Greek. He's, a, he's, a, 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 he's referring to the believers, those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. He's dealing with the church age here, the time period of churches, and he's dealing with them. But he also says they're going to be grafted back in again. He says they are going to be redeemed, and he talks about the fact that he's going to save them, verse number twenty six, and so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And so the seven years that happens after the rapture is when God is finished with dealing with the Gentiles. And he turns his attention once again to Israel. Look with me in verse 25. It says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that the blindness is in part happened to Israel, notice this phrase, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. You say, what is the rapture waiting for? The rapture is waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. And when the day happens, God is done with that. The rapture happens, we're out of here, and God turns his attention once again to the nation of Israel. There's a short period of time. We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us an exact period of time. I do happen to believe that there is a very distinct possibility that it's about a 30-day period from the time of the rapture until the appearing of the Antichrist and him setting up his kingdom. Uh, the reason for that is there are two distinct dates that are given, one in Daniel and one in Revelation. We'll look at those as we get further in that are, are both given regarding a, an issue of time. And uh, they are in discrepancy by 30 days. But if you read the wording of them, one is dealing with one specific event, the other one with a related event, but one that could happen 30 days later. And uh, so I believe there could be a, a period of time of about 30 days and we'll deal with that. So basically, uh, that brings us now to the rapture. The end of the Gentiles is going to come. The end of him dealing with churches and focusing his his uh, attention back on Israel. They are still his chosen people. They have never not been his chosen people. There has been a period of time where he has not dealt with them. But that does not mean that they do not belong to him. And uh, the Bible is still... Uh, true in every aspect, amen, (laughs) in every point. And he made a a, a, a statement, Uh, God made a statement that those that will bless Israel will be blessed, and those that curse Israel will be cursed. And I'm amazed at how many Christian people that I talk to that are anti-Jew, anti-Israel. It's amazing to me how in the world I don't understand how a born-again Christian, somebody who's trusted Christ as their Savior, can cannot can not love the Jewish people because of Christ's sake, because they are His people. And uh, very hard for me to understand that concept. But they are still His chosen people. God is not done with Israel. He has not uh, made them not His people anymore. But He has paused the time that He's working with them for this 2,000-some years now. And we don't know when the rapture is going to happen, but it's going to happen soon, I believe. Very soon. We saw the first mention of it, we mentioned it last week in John chapter number 14, verses 1 to 3, where John is is writing what Jesus spoke about when he said, in my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, where I am there you may be also. And I was talking to a preacher friend of mine this week, and uh, there are a lot of churches, a lot of good churches that are changing what the Bible says, and they I quote that verse. I was talking to Brother Harold about it last night. I said, uh, you know, there's, there was a, uh, one I heard of recently uh, that said it doesn't mean mansions there. It means rooms. No, I'm telling you, my Bible says in my father's house are many mansions. Don't swallow this line that there are just many rooms there. Um, they are mansions. That's what the Bible teaches, what it says. And so we need to understand that. There's people out there that will try to change what the Bible says. You say, is it critical? Does it really matter if it's a mansion or a room? Sure it is. Because if you change in one point, you're willing to change in other points too. And uh, we must accept all of Scripture to be accurate and true and right. So the first mention of it is found in John chapter number 14. There's a lot of discussion because there are people out there that teach and say, well, Jesus never taught on the rapture. And I gave you some things last week that I wanted to show you the parallels between two different passages. One of them is John chapter number 14. The other one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I gave you those lists. Uh, You should um, get those notes next week. They'll be on your notes for next week. And um, the the parallels between what John quotes Jesus saying and what Paul refers to as the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And I gave you the words to write down. If you didn't get those, again, they'll be on your notes for next week, and uh, there are, or there are other people here that have those written down. You can get those from them. But suffice to say, I think it's very clear to see that both para, both uh, uh, passages of Scripture um, are are certainly parallels one to the other. They both are speaking of the same event, and if that is the case, then the truth is Jesus did teach the rapture in His earthly ministry. And uh, the whole reason I wanted you to see how closely knit and tied these two passages were together is for you to understand that if somebody ever comes to you and gives you the argument, well, I don't know if there is a rapture because Jesus never spoke on it. The truth is, He did. And again, it's it's not referred to by the name rapture, but it is certainly taught in Scripture. Um, let's take a look at uh, some of the things that I think Paul... Uh, teaches here with regards to it being a pre-tribulational rapture. So keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at a, a pretty good amount of Scripture tonight. I'll try to go slow enough uh, and concise enough that we can follow along with it. But I want to make sure that by the time we leave here tonight, there is no doubt in our mind. We don't scratch our heads and wonder if it's pre-tribulational or not uh, rapture. We need to know. Uh, I told you last week right at the end, I believe that there's a pre-tribulational rapture because that's what the Bible teaches. And that's really the only reason I need for it. It is what the Bible teaches. For somebody to say, no, it happens in the middle of the tribulation or it happens at the end of the tribulation, they have to change what the Bible teaches to get there. And uh, so I want us to look at several things here. First of all, look with me, let's look at the passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul obviously, and I don't think there's any Bible scholar worth his salt at all, that would look at this passage and say, that's not dealing with the rapture. I think most all of them agree that this is dealing with the rapture. We'll begin in verse number 13. And again, these are verses that most of us probably even have memorized. So nothing new here, but it's important for us to lay this foundation. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. (coughs) Notice it says that God's going to bring those that have gone on before with Him. Now notice what He says here, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. Now, if you will, do not forget the phrase, the trump of God. In two weeks, that phrase is going to become very, very important. The trump of God. Make sure you have that down there. All right? And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be... Look Look at these two words. What does it say? What does it say? Gathered together with Him. Is that what it says? What does it say? Caught where? Caught up. To meet the Lord where? On the, on the earth? Where? In the air, right? We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another... With these words <clears throat> And uh, I want us to understand that in Acts chapter number one and verse number 11, we looked at it last week, and I'm not going to reread it when Jesus ascended back up to heaven with his, after he spoke to his disciples, the angels appeared and said that he will be coming again in like manner. He went up in the clouds, he's coming back in the clouds. And the Bible tells us here that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, He doesn't come to the earth. He meet, we meet Him in the air. We meet Him. We're caught up. And so the first coming of Christ, the rapture here, if you will, I hate to call it the first coming of Christ because that would be his, his birth, but the rapturous event deals with Christ coming back in the air and us being called out, caught up in the air. There will be another event seven years later roughly, after the battle of Armageddon, where the Lord does come back, only this time He's not coming to get us. We're coming with Him. And He will set His foot on the earth. And He will set up His eternal His, His thousand-year reign. That is referred to as the second coming. Do not get the two mixed up. The rapture and the second coming are two separate events. Don't get the two mixed up. We'll use those terms throughout the study of prophecy. And it does make a difference, okay? So understand the rapture is when He comes and calls us out of here. The second coming is when we come back with Him and we, we are established on the earth again for a thousand-year reign with Him. Alright? So understand those two terms. Now, why is that important that we read First Thessalonians chapter 4? We've already read it a couple of times in this study. The reason being, again, to try to establish from a biblical perspective uh, the idea of a pre-tribulation rapture. Does Paul deal with the fact that this happens prior to the tribulation in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? The answer is no. But there is an order that is... Uh, we When we study Scripture, there's an order in things that are called the law first mention and things that come first uh, are oftentimes the important parts and then things that follow... And we go straight from chapter 4 into chapter number 5. Isn't that amazing how that works? (laughs) And when Paul wrote this, he wrote it as a letter. He didn't put chapter headings in. He wrote it as a letter. And he writes about this rapturous event and continues his letter. Keep this in mind as he says, But... That's a conjunction, if you don't understand English about this yet. Jonathan's like, Dad, why do I have to study English every year? I was like, because you haven't mastered it yet. You'll study it your whole life and won't master it. But, is a conjunction. It ties two thoughts together. Alright? So this is a continuation of what he just said in chapter 4. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly, notice this phrase, that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The tribulation period is referred to as the day of the Lord. When you see that phrase in Scripture, you're dealing with that seven-year tribulation period. It's known as the day of the Lord. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. As travail upon a woman and a child, they shall not escape. Now, understand, Paul's writing this letter. He says there's going to be a rapture. Christ is going to come down. The sound is going to go out. The shout, the trump, everything. We're going to go up and meet Him in the air. But, but, the day of the Lord, it comes suddenly like a thief in the night. Meaning that that tribulation period, it happens suddenly. It happens at a sudden event. It happens when the rapture takes place. The tribulation, the day of the Lord begins. It's a suddenness. It's a quickness. He says also in verse number 4, Sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all children of light. Kind of sounds like we're not going to be here for that, doesn't it? Because it refers to that day uh, uh, being a, a day of darkness, and we are children of light. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch, that's a key word, be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and an helmet of hope for, of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Verse 11 Wherefore, in light of all this, what's the next word here? Comfort yourselves. Yeah. That sounds to me like Paul is giving assurance that, hey, this wrath, God didn't come for you to be in wrath. He came to save you from it. Take comfort in this. Pretty clear that Paul's saying there's a rapture coming, there's a suddenness of it, and the day of the Lord begins. But, hey, don't worry. Take comfort. Because you're not here for that wrath. You're children of the day. You're not here for the darkness, you're not here for the wrath, you're not here for the judgment. Now Paul taught this in his first letter to the Thessalonians. There were a group of people in the church at Thessalonica who took the teachings that Paul spoke of here and began to tell the church these things that the rapture has already happened and we are now in the tribulation time period. And so Paul has to correct them again. He has to go back and teach them again some things and expound a little bit further on it. And he does that in 2 Thessalonians, if you'll turn over there, and chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians and chapter number 2. He corrects this misinformed teaching that these things had already happened and that they were entering into the tribulation period. He begins chapter 2 with, "...now we beseech you, brethren..." "...by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him." What does that sound like to you? Sounds like the rapture, doesn't it? He's coming and gathering us to Him. Now, notice what he says here. "...that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, speaking of this day of the Lord, this time of the rapture and the the days to follow of the tribulation, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now this is in reference to the Antichrist that will come on the scene. This day's not going to happen until there's a falling away of it and, and this uh, Antichrist comes on the scene. Now notice verse number four. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or what or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you of these things. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, he says, you already know what is keeping him from being revealed right now. And he tells them again. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. It's already here. Only he who now letteth will let. This is an interesting verse. Because the word letteth here, let, the usage that we use today means, if I were to say, let me go to the store, I would be saying, allow me to go to the store. In the Webster's 1828 Dictionary, you'll find that the word let means to hinder or to disallow, to restrain. All right? So let's read this with the, the language of the King James translators here for a moment in verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth... Who's hindering this man of sin, this son of perdition, to come on the scene right now? Who's, who's hindering that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that's letting that, that's hindering it. Until he be what? Verse number 7. Taken out of the way. And then... "...shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause..." God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's one thing keeping the Antichrist from being on the scene now. The Antichrist could have come on the scene any time in this 2,000 year period, but for one thing, the Holy Spirit hindered him until that holy spirit is removed he cannot come on the scene now that's going to be difficult to do if if we that are believers who are the temple of the holy ghost are still here okay again if you need to know whether it's pre tribulation or not all you got to do is read the bible <laughs> it's there Sometimes you have to read it slowly. Sometimes you have to think and make sure you understand the passage. But it teaches it very very clearly. All right? Now, these are these are things that Paul did. Paul understood this, Paul taught this to the church at Thessalonica. But I want to give you a number. I'm going to give you old probably, I don't know, probably 15, maybe 20 other indications that the Bible gives of a pre-tribulational rapture. Again, by the time we're done with this, I want there to be such concrete evidence of Scripture that there is no way to refute it. Uh, wouldn't that be nice to be able to have that kind of a... Okay, let's let's hold to this. All right, so let's take our Bibles. And again, if you miss some of the references, don't worry, they're, they're all in the notes. I will give them to you next Wednesday night, unless the rapture happens between now and then. <laughs> Then I'll let the Lord teach you because he's a lot better at teaching this than I am. Uh, Let's take uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Another great passage dealing with the rapture. Paul again dealing with a church. And uh, so let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and let's look in verse number 51. Behold... I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Now, they thought that Christ was going to come in their time, just like we do. We call it the imminent, that's a big word, the imminent return of Christ. It can happen at any moment. Nothing has to take place for Christ to come back. Everything that had to be fulfilled prophetically has already been fulfilled leading up to His coming. And all that is left on the prophetic timetable, there are other things that can happen, but they do not have to happen in order for the Lord to return. Uh, so understand this, that Paul, when he's writing this, he says, we, he's using these pronouns, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, again, Make note of that phrase. That's going to become important when we get over to Revelation. All right? At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we, there it is again, shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written... Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why I could sit at Miss June Boland's house on Monday and through the tears smile and rejoice in her home going. Why? Because the sting of death is taken away. The victory over death and hell and the grave is ours, because we've trusted Christ as our Savior. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, I'm going to pause here for just a minute. We've got ten minutes left. I'm going to go through as many of these as we can tonight. I'm not going to rush them. We're going to get through them. Uh, in an easy fashion so you can get them. And we'll pick up next Wednesday night and uh, go from there. But I do want to make mention of this. The very first week we started this study, we dealt with why we study it. Are we doing this just so we can leave here and feel good and be excited that we know something? No. There is a reason for it. It's profitable to us. It should bring comfort to us. We know that. Over and over again, the Bible talks about be comforted in this. Take take comfort in the fact. But over and over again, we find that not only are we supposed to know and to hear, in fact, Revelation talks about the blessing that comes from those that read it and those that hear it. And, and this is the form we leave out, take heed to the things that are written therein. Not just hearing, not just reading, but also taking heed. Doing the things. That are said to be done. Paul oftentimes speaks of the fact, and he did so in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and 5. When he talked about the rapture, he said, Awake, thou that sleepest, be awake, be alert, be ready. And 1 Corinthians, when he's dealing with the church at Corinth, he tells them about the rapture and he ends it with, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. In light of prophecy, how are we supposed to respond? We're supposed to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, more than is necessary, more than is the norm, abounding in it. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, what's the purpose of prophecy? Well, it's to give us comfort. But secondly, it's to motivate us to do the work that God's given us to do. Why? Because we don't know when He's coming back. His return is imminent. It can happen at any time. Paul thought it was going to happen in his day. Here we are 2,000 years later. We think it's going to happen in our day. And with everything we see happening in the world today, I I really strongly feel that it can happen in my lifetime. And so we need to be sure that we are living the way we are supposed to be living when Christ comes. Both so that we are not ashamed when He comes in the way that we are conducting our own life, but also that we can be able to be fruitful and take others with us when we go. Be able to help others get to heaven as well. Alright? The, the, if, if the rapture was, let's say, mid-tribulation, as some people teach, that it happens at the three-and-a-half-year mark, or if the rapture was what they refer to as post-tribulation, Uh, although they don't really mean post, they mean it towards the end, but not really at the end, I guess. Uh, But if it was either one of those two, then there are a lot of passages of Scripture dealing with the imminent return of Christ that, that that would negate. Because at some point, now it may not be before the three and a half years, but at some point the stopwatch starts again on that last week. And you can point to the exact day that Christ is going to return if it's at the mid tribulation or if it's towards the end of the tribulation. We understand that the teachings on the rapture are dealing with the fact that it can happen as a thief in the night, can happen momentarily, can happen at any instant. There is no understanding of the day. We don't we don't realize when these things are. They happen. In fact, it says when we think uh, peace and safety. Uh, that's that's when it's going to happen. You know, when we think oh, everything's good, they all talk about this stuff. So there are a lot of passages. Let me go through, and we'll do several of them tonight. First Corinthians chapter number one, and uh, teaching on the imminent. If you want to write, if you're taking notes and you want to write down uh, passages for the imminent return of Christ, the imminent return of Christ, or uh, I guess the suddenness or unexpectedness, if you don't the uh, word imminent just means it, it's an unknown value. It can happen at any moment, all right? First Corinthians chapter number one, Paul and verse number seven, Paul says this, <coughs> So that ye become uh, so that ye come behind in no gift, notice this, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we know when it is, we don't have to wait. We, we know when it is. Um, how many of you get packages delivered from Amazon? Any of you get a package delivered from Amazon? Okay, I'll be praying for y'all, <laughs> you Amazonites. Uh, and, uh, now, Amazon's pretty good about it, but UPS, uh, USPS, uh, FedEx, some of these places, they send you a notice a lot of times and they say, your package will be delivered today sometime between, you know, 6 in the morning and, you know, 3 o'clock the next morning. And you sit there all day waiting. And, and they don't bring it till the very end of the time window. And they do that five or six times. And then so finally one day you get a notice and you say, you know what, they do that every time to me. I'm going to go to the store today and get my stuff done and come back. And as sure as you go, they deliver it early, don't they? And it's there for you and it's out on the porch. And the idea of waiting is you're sitting there, you don't know when it's coming, but it's coming. If you knew, if they said, we're going to be there at 1205, you could go about your business do what you want to until 1202, 1203, 1204, somewhere in there, and then you come home and you get ready and you're there. The idea of waiting in Scripture is dealing here, again, with the imminency of the return of Christ. The fact that He's coming at any moment. That we're to live consciously... In the way that He could come now. He could come before we get home tonight. Did we live today that way? Were we conscious of that possibility when we woke up this morning? Did we think today could be the day? I better live in such a way. I better labor in such a way. That if He were to come today, I could hear the words, Well done. It would make a huge difference in our lives if we lived with the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ foremost on our hearts and our minds. According to Scripture, that is the way Christ wants us to live our life. But very rarely do even some of the most ardent Christians, the most dedicated Christians, truly live that way. Not in the day that we live. We're so bombarded, our attention so distracted by so many things, the cares of this life seem to burden and weigh us down so much that we do not live with the imminent return of Christ on our hearts. Not not regularly. Oh, we do when pastor preaches on it, or we hear a message on the internet about it for a day or so, and we'll think that way, and then sure enough, before we know it, we're burdened down with all the cares of life again, don't we? Jesus wants us to live watching for Him. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians, all of these dealing with the imminent return of Christ. And I've got oh, five or six verses here regarding that. Philippians chapter number 3, and uh, let's look in verse number 20. <clears throat> for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We live looking for Him. Looking for Him. Watching, looking. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians again, if you will, just a few pages over. Chapter number 1. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. Verse number 10, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. Even Jesus were to be waiting for Him. Again, waiting for Him. Just a few pages over to Titus, <clears throat> chapter number two. For the grace of God, verse number eleven. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live. Notice these words, soberly. Why? Because he can come in any time. There needs to be a soberness in our life. Righteously. Why? Because He can come at any time. Godly. Why? Because He can come at any time. Y'all got it yet? Okay. Looking, notice verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, what's a good argument for a pre-tribulational rapture, Pastor? Pastor the fact that His return is imminent, the fact that it can happen at any moment, that it will be a sudden event. Look in the, he, uh, Titus chapter number 3. Just go over a chapter. Titus chapter number 3, verse number 13. Brings in us the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently. That, uh, did I get the wrong passage here? I got the wrong passage here. I'm sorry. Go on to Hebrews chapter 9. I've been a while since I've done that. Hebrews chapter number 9 and verse number 28. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 28. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for Him shall He appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We're to be looking for Him. Alright, right. First Peter. First Peter, just a few more pages over. First Peter, all these are pretty much in order, so we're going through the Bible here. First Peter chapter number one and let's look at verse number thirteen. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's to be a soberness, a girding up of our minds. Why? Because He can come at any time. Jude, verse 21. Just before Revelation. One book before. Jude, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Let me mention this, and I've said it before. When God hits an issue in the Scriptures, He means it. If He says it more than once, He emphasizes it, and it's important enough for us that He doesn't want us to miss it. If it is repeated over and over and over and over again in Scripture, God wants to make sure that anybody can understand this truth or this principle. That His coming is imminent. We're to be watching, be sober, We're to be hoping, we're to be longing for, we're to be living daily as though He's going to return right now. And uh, so again, I've dealt with um, the chronology given in 1 Thessalonians that Paul gives with regards to the rapture happening prior to the day of the Lord. We've dealt with the imminent return of Christ, the sudden return of Christ, the fact that He will come uh, before that day of destruction. We've dealt with the fact tonight that um, we as believers are not uh, expected, we're to be expected to be delivered from His wrath. We're not going to have to go through that. Uh, Again, we're to live with expectation of His return. There's just enough evidence in what we've covered tonight for us to understand that the, the, the rapture is going to happen prior to Tribulation. You can go to bed tonight if you've struggled with this over the last several months or a year or whenever it's been or most of your life. You can lay your head down tonight and rest easy. Because we will not be here when the Antichrist comes on the scene and establishes himself and the, the day of the Lord begins. We are going to be gone. And um, I'm about... Three points in on about 20 points of the pre-tribulation rapture. So we'll give you the rest of these next week. I'll go ahead and type the rest of them for you for next week because it's kind of the completion of this lesson. And so you'll have all of them next week. So we'll move a little more rapidly through them because you'll have them in front of you. Uh, So we won't take the whole service to do that. And then, Lord willing, we'll begin dealing with uh, some of the seven churches uh, that uh, John writes about in Revelation I don't know about you all, but I have enjoyed preparing and getting things ready for this. I've enjoyed studying it. It has encouraged me in some things, um, especially as I see the the events of this world happening. I am not at all nervous or afraid or worried. Uh, I know there's going to be some tribulations that come to the church, but we are not going to be here for the tribulation, and I'm thankful for that. And uh, the Bible teaches that quite clearly. And uh, it ought to motivate us because of this. God says uh, quite, quite often in dealing with prophetic passages of the end times, quite often He deals with the fact that we're to be comforted and we're to be laboring. And uh, those are two of the practical things that we gain from studying prophecy. So I hope this will help us uh, as we go day by day and live in our lives. Okay? Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. And Lord, we've tried to go at a pace that uh, folks can hear and understand and see from Scripture the things that You've shown us from this. And we don't want to rush through it, but we certainly want to understand it well and to know it. Because Lord, it does provide great comfort to us. And it does provide great conviction to us. I pray that You'd help us to be diligent this week to do the work that You've called us to do that we'll live each day with Your imminent return in mind at the foremost of our thoughts, that today could be the day. And, uh, Father, may we live accordingly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.